Watch Marry Me. You, I'll marry you. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, featuring their new song, On My Way by Jennifer Lopez. Marry Me, directed by Kat Koira, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. It's still real to me, damn it. everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Snow Real Test Show. Episode number 590 for June 3rd, 2021. This is your AW Double or Nothing recap and review edition of SRTU. I'm one after the show, Jeff Peck. Joined every single week by my co-host, the one like Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, thank you for putting a shirt on, my friend. You're welcome. I mean, uh, I know we've discussed uh, topless podcasts, but without TV, it really just doesn't make the transition very well. So I figured I'd at least uh, throw a top on for you. you know, I don't want I don't want anybody's uh, ears bleeding knowing that uh, my nipples were out. Okay. All right. Um, let's get into it. AW double or nothing. <laughs> Worst segue ever. I don't know what you, how you, I don't know how you do go from there. You go. Speaking of topless, let's go to AEW. Speaking of topless, double or nothing. Uh, Doctor Trey pre-show match: Serena Deeb defending the NWA World Women Championship against Riho. You and I both had Serena Deeb. Serena Deeb did retain the NWA World Women's Championship. Uh, An incredibly fun opening match. Deeb and Riho have a lot of good chemistry, and this was a highly entertaining match. Would watch it again. Uh, great pre-show match, Dr. Trey. One of my favorites I've seen in a long time for any type of pay-per-view. Your thoughts here, Deeb defeating Rio? Yeah, not not a surprising result. We talked about a couple weeks ago about, you know, has, has Rio kind of fallen down, you know, the pecking order of the women's division. But I thought this was a, a kind of not, I don't want to say a breakout match, because she's already had that, but almost like a uh, don't forget about me match, where kind of like the ones Britt Baker's had in the past as well, where, you know, she might lose, but it's like reestablishing herself as a pillar of the women's community in AEW, where you know she lost a lot of traction during the, the pandemic shutdown. Yeah, it was uh, it was a highly entertaining match. It was very well done. It was great to see Rio back in there. The women's division in AEW needed this, so really fun pre-show match to kick it off as Serena Deeb uh, recaptured or retained, excuse me, her NWA World's Women Championship. Uh, next match here for the main card, Hangman Adam Page taking on Brian Cage. We both had Hangman Adam Page. Hangman Adam Page did defeat Brian Cage. Solid match. Good stuff from Page and Cage. Uh, after a slow start in AEW, I, I really feel like Brian Cage has finally been on a decent roll as of late. The tension between Cage and Team Taz is back on after that was shelved for a little bit. Uh, and I completely forgot how over Hangman Page was with the fans, which there's a lot to discuss about the fans. But this was an incredibly fun match, Dr. Trey. Hangman Adam Page defeating Brian Cage. Yeah, I, I liked it. You know, Brian Cage to me it has all tools in the world, but like 
there's something in his person. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, there's something about his presence where I'm like, dude looks like a million bucks, but he, he does need a mouthpiece unless he's involved in a an emotional angle. You know, when he's just kind of out there wrestling, I kind of feel like he's almost bland at times. But, you know, to me, when you're working with Hang- Hangman Page, Hangman Page can make anybody look good. Cage has great matches. It's just sometimes I feel he comes off a little blah. Uh, personality-wise. But overall, I thought it was a great performance by both guys in this match. And, you know, once again, we, we talked about a couple weeks ago again, you know, Hangman Page kind of lingering in the background waiting for, we're going to just kind of waiting for that big Omega Page AEW World title match that's probably looming, you know, within the next couple months. That's what we're waiting on, right? That's what we're, that's what we, this is how we think this entire uh, Kenny Omega deal basically plateaus, right? Yeah, that's my thought, bro. I mean, really, I mean, He's already, I mean, we, we can't put Cody in there because Cody has that restriction against them. So it comes, and he's already wrestled Moxley. He's wrestling all the top mid-card baby faces, I guess, right now. So the only other option right now is, you know, Hangman Page or eventually, uh, you know, a Jericho, Guevara, one of those guys from the inner circle to break out. So to me, the money match is Omega and Page. Uh, next match here was for the AW World Tag Team Championship. The Young Bucks defending against John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. I had the Bucks, Dr. Trey had Moxley and yeah, Kingston, yeah. and the Young Bucks won and retained their AW World Tag Team titles. Uh, fantastic, fun tag team match. Moxley and Kingston looked very tough against the Young Bucks. Uh, Young Bucks did look like the best uh, heel, the best team in of the two during the match. Uh, and the heel Young Bucks has been so entertaining to watch. And uh, sidebar, I loved seeing John Moxley come out to Wild Thing with a full stadium crowd, which we have not seen in a long time. Dr. Trey, great tag team match as the uh, Bucks defeated Moxley and Kingston. Yeah, especially considering you know, Moxley and Kingston have only been really teaming up again for like, the last, like, you know, what, month and a half, two months, it seems like. And, and even though they have a long history of friendship, I mean, sometimes, you know, those guys you can be great friends but not be great tag team partners. Their chemistry is is undeniable like those guys just fit well together uh so it was a fun match i mean you get the two big brawling baby faces against the smart alecky heel tag team it's, it's always for good chemistry and it was a fun match i i'm a little disappointed in in you know who came out on top because i still think you know like kingston deserves a run with a title belt in a major company um and pairing with Moxley, i thought would be great but hey it's not over yet there's they can only circle back but fun match though yeah, it was a very, very fun match. Uh, the Moxley Kingston pairing, I was—I didn't think it was going to work at first, but it's worked out really, really well. And I, and it was—it's uh, been a great pairing, Doctor Trey. Good stuff for Kingston to get that rub from Moxley's uh, star power. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it kind of solidified, like hanging him with Moxley kind of solidified the belief AEW had in him. Like, there's a lot of fans, especially casual fans, that didn't really know who Eddie Kingston was. And by pairing it with Moxley and putting him in a feud with the Elite, it solidifies his spot. It makes a ton of sense. If you want to get somebody over, get the rub from the guys around him that can make him look good. Uh, next match here is the Casino Battle Royale. Winner gets a future AW World Championship match. Uh, we both had Christian Cage and Jungle Boy won, and we'll get an AW World title match against Kenny Omega in about two weeks. Good Battle Royal. Surprising that Jungle Boy got the victory, but AW in the crowd loves this kid. Uh, I was happy for Jungle Boy to get the opportunity to face Omega for the AW World Title. So this was just an opportunity to put over Jungle Boy, Dr. Trey, who, uh, I mean, when you look at the way that AEW is being built right now, uh, the guys from since day one that AEW has wanted to build up, MJF, uh, Jungle Boy, Darby Allin, and now Sammy Guevara I would throw on that list. Jungle Boy is over with the crowd. So I would have liked to see Christian Cage get the victory, but I'm cool with Jungle Boy getting the win as well. And Jungle Boy seems to be the king of the battle royals in AEW. Like, he's always top two left over. Like, he does really well. Apparently, Sammy's not a huge fan of Jungle Boy. Uh, he wanted Christian Cage, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those nice little things they do. They're like, hey, we know we have to focus on some of these younger guys. Keep them relevant. Let's have you know Jungle Boy defeat Christian Cage, who everybody was picking to win, and throw a little wrench into the into the plans. I mean... You can still hold off Cage and Omega as well. We talked about Page and Omega. You can still hold off for Christian Cage and Omega too, and people will still be excited for that one. So, seeing you know the Jungle Boys, the Darby Allens, the Pox get you know shining moments on this car was great for AEW. So as I watch this show now, at this point, AEW Double or Nothing, 
I'm sitting here and I'm going, this has so far been the best wrestling show I've watched on pay-per-view this year, bar none. And then the Cody Rhodes-Anthony Ogogo match happened. Uh, we both had Cody Rhodes winning. Cody Rhodes did defeat Anthony Ogogo. Uh, I thought this match was kind of a buzzkill for how amped the crowd was all night long. Uh, Ogogo has the potential to be good. He looked good for the first five minutes of the match and then showed how green he was and the match went on. I'm not really sure the point of this other than putting Ogogo in a high-profile match against Rhodes. Despite the buildup and attempts to make a go-go look good going into this, it never felt like he belonged in the spot with a, against Cody. You know, when you have a brand new star that you're building, you want them to rack up wins. And entering this match, a go-go really didn't have a solid win that made you go, ah, he could probably defeat Cody at double or nothing. Uh, which is weird because when you have, like, veteran star, young up-and-comer, Dr. Trey and I usually go, well, the young up-and-comer is going to win. This match, both of us went with Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes gets the victory. I didn't get the point of this, Dr. Trey. I didn't get the point of the buildup. I didn't get the point of the match. I didn't get the point of a go-go having a one-on-one match with, with Cody Rhodes and not having any big, solid victories over some some brand names. Um, yeah, I did not like this match all that much. No, I didn't like it coming into it because, to me, the match should have been Cody and QT because that's where the rivalry started. So bringing in a go-go into the spot, I thought, was – Hey, let's try to get him a little bit of you know, let a, a little bit of a buzz off of wrestling with Cody. And like you said, he he can go for the first five minutes, and, and those are well scripted out. Cody plans out his matches in their entirety. Um, but there's times, especially when you're working from a live crowd, you have to make adjustments. And I think this match showcased that a go go is not ready to make those on the fly adjustments. You know, when a guy's calling it in the ring. Um, plus, like you see these other matches with a go go, it's like. Yeah, he looks the part. He can do some things, but then, like, a kidney punch is his finisher? Like, that's what we're going with? Like, that's really hard to sell to a crowd. And this whole this whole match, at no point did you ever feel like Cody was actually in danger of losing it. And that's what you have to do when you're trying to build up another top heel is create that tension that your hero can lose. As Sammy is ramming nasty boy Jerry Sags' head, into the uh, steel post of my bed. Wow, not a big fan of the nasty boys. Uh, yeah, must be the armpit spots that he hates. Yeah, he, he does. He loves those action figures, but he also loves just beating the crap out of them. Uh, next match here for the AWTNT Championship: Miro defending against Lance Archer. We both had Miro. Miro did get the victory. Uh, it was a physical match that helped define both of their styles really well. I was surprised that they had Archer pass out to Miro's game over submission hold. A uh, solid match, Dr. Trey. I mean, it is what you would expect from two behemoths in Miro and Lance Archer. Uh, your thoughts here, Miro defeating Lance Archer to retain the AWTNT title. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good big man versus big man match. And Miro's very athletic. Lance Archer's very athletic. So you get the power, a little bit of the athleticism. So I, I thought it came off pretty well. But I'm with, I, I'm, I'm, now I am burnt out on the pass-out finishes for baby faces. Like, it's just... Like let a guy. It's okay, you know, if if a guy taps out every now and then, or hey, let's hit him with a different move, like an actual move, and all we need is three seconds to get a pin. Like at times, it feels like wrestling has forgot that it's okay to make a mistake and get caught and lose in three seconds. Like we have to come up with these creative finishes where the heel looks strong and the baby face looks strong, and nobody looks bad coming out of the match. I mean, really, if Miro had caught him with a with you know one of his patented sidekicks you know, just out of nowhere and got the three count, I don't think you and I would have been sitting here going, oh, that was a crappy finish. We'd have been like, oh, wow, that kind of came out of nowhere, but it looked good. It made sense. I'm just over pass-out finishes, I guess, now in professional wrestling. I think it protects the other star, right? I mean, that's what you're doing, basically. Yeah, you're you're showing the heart that no matter what, I'm not going to submit. My body just gives out. You know, but you see it so much now it's kind of lost the point in that. You go back to Brett and Stone Cold, you know, yeah. WrestleMania, that that was really one of the first big times we've seen that happen. And then WWE protected that type of finish for years and saved it for big moments. This was, you know, a match on the middle of the card for the mid-card title, and we used that spot. It just, it just didn't feel like the right spot for that kind of finish. Do you think that this is what they're trying to do with Miro, though? Because they, they did have Darby pass out to the game over as well. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to make Miro look strong and not hurt your baby faces at the same time. But after a while, it's kind of like, 
if it happens all the time, is it really that great? I mean, you know, the Iron Sheik who patented the camel clutch, guys didn't tap or guys didn't pass out with the Sheik. They tapped out. You look at Scott Steiner when Steiner Kleiner, which was maybe the worst camel clutch in the history of wrestling. Guys typically didn't pass out. They tapped out. It's okay for a guy to either tap out or get caught with a quick pin or you know a quick move. The the pass out if it happens all the time, it loses its luster. You know that's just my that's my point on it. Uh, next match here was Hikaru Shida defending the AW Women's World Championship against Doctor Britt Baker. Doctor Trey and I both had Britt Baker, and Britt Baker did win and became the new AW Women's World Champion. Uh, I thought the match was okay. It had parts that flowed really well and spots that did not. It has been a long time coming for Dr. Britt Baker, who should have been the AW Women's World Champion like a year plus ago. I know she had her injury, but um, I don't know if they were waiting for the fans to come back. But I, I've always felt like since nearly day one of AW, Dr. Trey, that Britt Baker should be the AW Women's World Champion, and uh, now she is. So we have a new women's champion after Carl Sheeta held the title for over a year. Your thoughts as Baker defeats Sheeta? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good match. I mean, I, it's weird. Like, the Deeb and Rio match was probably a better match. Agreed. But I think the excitement level and the anticipation, I think everybody in that building was waiting for Britt to get the win. And it, it's weird that you mentioned, like, I think, you know, maybe they're holding off for the crowd to come back. It's like, she's a heel, but she got, like, kind of a pop when she won. Like, the crowd was amped up for it because it's something fresh and something different in the women's division. You know, Sheeta was a great champion, but... You know, outside of Nyla Rose, she never really had that strong challenger that you felt that Sheeta was in danger against losing against. Um, you know, Britt was the first one you know, outside of Nyla where you're like, man, this could be it. And we've all been sitting around loving what Britt's been doing you know, for the last year and a half. It's just great to see it finally come off because now you can start building up your baby-faced women in the division because nobody in that division can out-promo Britt Baker. So she's going to generate a lot of heat which is going to make fans want to root for whoever she's up against. It's a good way to build up the rest of your roster. Is this the turning point for the AW women's division, you think? Uh, I'm hoping it is. I mean, plus, you, you know, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it a little later. You got a couple of other women who have become on the free agent market that have, that if AEW snatched up would be good for that division as well. Uh, but you guys start building that depth and having somebody like Britt, you know, and we've seen in the past, you know, with Shayna on NXT, you get that dominant heel female champion, and you can make your baby faces look strong, uh, you know, by running them up against her. So I think it's a good move for AEW to actually help kind of build some depth. Uh, next match here was Sting and Darby Allen taking on Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. We both had Sting and Darby Allen, and Sting and Ar- Darby Allen didn't get the victory. Uh, Sting looked great for a man in his sixties who hasn't wrestled in six years. Darby carried the match rightfully so, and this was a good spot to also showcase Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. I was happy for all four men to get the spot on the Double or Nothing card. Futures Brian A.W. with guys like Darby, Scorpio Sky, and Ethan Page. Sting has really helped Darby become a star. That's something that is uh, often forgotten when you put a veteran with a young star. You know, you kind of forget, like, okay, is the rub really working here? And the Sting-Darby combination may be the best I've ever seen in professional wrestling from a veteran to a young star standpoint, or at least in some time. Uh, overall, I know the big thing was that Sting looked fantastic, but but... He did, don't get me wrong, but uh, Theo, when you watch the match, because I watched it like a day or two after it actually aired, and I read it, everybody was going nuts for him. Um, I watched the match, I thought he like wrestled for 15, 20 minutes, and he wrestled for maybe five to seven minutes. Uh, it was great to see, don't get me wrong, but uh, I don't want to see a six-year-old man wrestle all that much, so the f- spot was fine. He he did look a lot better than he did in any of his matches in WWE, Sting and Darby Allen getting the victory, Dr. Trey, as we throw it back with Sting wrestling in 2021. So, you know, I was thinking about this the other night when this match was, was getting ready to happen. I was like, you know, when we have guys who have long layoffs and then come back, typically they wrestle somebody they know or somebody they trust or somebody they've worked with before. Sting didn't do that, which I thought gives a lot of credibility to Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page and the fact that Sting was willing to step back in the ring with two guys he's never worked with before. Um, so, the, I mean, in a sense to me, that kind of gave those two guys even more credibility even heading into that match. But, yeah, the pairing's been great. Uh, it, it is one of the better uh, veteran young guy tandems in the history of wrestling. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, Jeff, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's better than Ric Flair and AJ Styles. 
Yeah. Uh, you can go Hogan and Edge when they had their little tag team run. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, but this is one of those pairings where it just makes a ton of sense in the way they're handling it. And, you know, Darby's going to have all the heart. He's going to take the punishment as long as he can. And then Sting comes in for the, the big moments. I mean, it's a, it's a good pairing. It's working. And you're getting those older fans who love Sting to now, you know, shift or, you know, in, in, enlarge their allegiance now to Darby as well. It, it's, it's, a, it's a great move that AEW's doing with these guys. I just felt like uh, when Sting came in for Darby, like Darby, you could tell, was going to be a top star at some point. Sting and Darby get paired up, and it had points where it was kind of cringy a little bit, and then it wasn't, and it started to flow really, really well, and it's been potentially one of my favorite pairings and storylines throughout the year, and you're seeing like Darby become a star every single time he goes out there. Like, um, Obviously, if he put on a little bit more size, he would look like a believable character, but maybe that's part of the reason why people do relate to better than to Dar- Darby Allen than, than most are. So there is that special enigma factor with Darby Allen and it's starting to come out thanks to the guys like Sting. Uh, next match here, Dr. Trey, three-way match for the AW World Championship. You had Kenny Omega defending its Orange Cassidy and Pac. We both had Kenny Omega and Kenny Omega did retain. Uh, it was a really good triple threat match. I love the final 10 minutes of this match and the final sequence. The crucifix pin, stealing one away from Orange Cassidy was really good. It'll be interesting to see how AW follows that up. Awesome work by all three men. Uh, the finish to me says that Omega and Cassidy is the uh, long-term or farther down the line solution. Maybe they headline all out for the AW World title since Orange Cassidy nearly defeated uh, Kenny Omega. But uh, who knows? Who knows where we go from here, Dr. Trey? Really good triple threat match. Kenny Omega defeating Orange Cassidy and Pac. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't surprised at how good the match was. I was kind of surprised at how good the storytelling was, if that makes sense. Like, all three of these guys can, can wrestle their asses off. Um, I was just kind of curious to see how they were going to make it where, you know, the, it, it's similar to to Kenny wrestling uh, Rich Swan. Like, they're not on the same level. Like, in, in fans' eyes, those are those guys are on two different levels. And I kind of had the same vibe going to this match where, you know, Kenny's an A, A-plus guy, and Pac and Cassidy are, you know, probably right now B-plus guys. How are you going to make the fans buy into this that there is that risk that Kenny was going to lose this match? And I thought they pulled it off really well, gave some great storytelling, and then going to the finish with Kenny kind of just, you know, doing the crucifix on 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 uh, Orange, getting the win. This is what I was talking about earlier with Miro and Lance Archer. Like, it just takes three seconds for the bad guy to escape with a victory. You don't have to do some dramatic, you know, pass-out submission hold sometimes. You can get the quick win, and it still goes, oh, I, I think Orange Cassidy came out looking like a star after his match with, his match with Kenny Omega, and he barely lost. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was good for Orange Cassidy. I'd like to see Pac get the same love. Um all in all, this was just a really like a really weird feeling go into it, right? I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere, Doctor Trey, that this these three guys were going to be battling out for the world title at one of the biggest shows, if not the biggest show of the year for AEW. It was strange. Yeah, and, and the other thing I noticed, they didn't really focus on the early the early days of AEW where we had those Omega Pac matches when Omega was the babyface and Pac was the was you know doing the bastard and the heel. Like those are that was a like I think was it the first or second pay-per-view they wrestled it was a fantastic match yeah it was they didn't, really, they didn't really bring that up at all uh heading into this one it was kind of like hey these were the, this this is where these guys are at now and let's try to focus on that and it's one of those weird things where i mean it's kind of like putting a main event of you know john cena against cesaro you know not just on raw but like the headline of a major pay-per-view a lot of fans would be like man there's no way cesaro's got a shot in this it's just how you put it together. Same, well, we just saw the Roman Reigns and Cesaro. Like, in most fans' eyes, that's two different levels of wrestlers. You know, but WWE pulled it off with that match, and, and I think that AEW did the same thing here with Omega, Pac, and Orange, and making the other two guys, the, the you know, the guys who are seen on maybe lower levels than Kenny, look like they're on equal footing. And then finally, the main event match here, Dr. Trey, the pinnacle taken on the inner circle in the stadium stampede match, too. If the inner circle lost, they would must da- disband as a team forever. So Dr. Trey and I went with the pinnacle, and the inner circle got the victory. Uh, I thought the match was okay. I felt like it ran really long. It was just mostly cameos. I enjoyed last year's stadium stampede a lot more. 
I thought Sammy Guevara getting the pin was very telling, and the fans are really behind him right now. It looks like Sammy's on the cusp of a big breakout soon in AEW. Um, you have a red-hot crowd all night long. It's the first fully packed wrestling show in over 14, 15 months from COVID-19. Emotional moment, great crowd noise, great buzz. I said before, I thought in the early onset up until the Agogo cody Rhodes match, the crowd was on fire, the show was on fire, and then it kind of fell off a cliff a little bit. I thought AEW made a really bad mistake having this match, the Stadium Stampede match, and having a full crowd. Like, they just missed, like, a golden opportunity to have them just wrestle in Daly's place, like, all over the place. And the crowd would have ate it the hell up. Sam Stampede, uh, it was great for the pandemic, but to close out Double or Nothing, a red-hot show... I was not a fan of that, Dr. Trey. Inner Circle get the victory. They last. They remain together. Your thoughts here, Inner Circle defeating the Pinnacle. Listen, Jeff, Urban Meyer has a very tight schedule and a very tight window of cameo opportunities. So you have to pre-tape that, Jeff. I don't know. No, you're right. Like If they had done this battle all over the building, seeing the fans interact, still be able – you can still place cameos and stuff like that. I mean, if – I mean, really, the fighting in the nightclub, I was like, oh, okay, sure. There's Conan as a DJ because we know he's a DJ from where? Like, it was it was fun, but there were things that I'm like, oh, yeah, like this would have just been better for, like, to have him fight over the bill, all over the building, take it out into the streets in between Daily Place and the stadium, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, you're right. Like, they, they try to capitalize on what fun the first one was, play it off here. Uh, like to me, this match could have gone on earlier in the show, and you could have had the crowd back by the end. You can still close that with Omega, Orange, and Pac. Uh, but the other thing is, this is why I thought they were going to break up because Sammy seems like he's going to be the breakout star of Inner Circle. And you know, if he's surrounded by a bunch of guys bailing him out, is he really a babyface getting over? So he, to me, he feels like he needs to kind of break off on his own at some point. But it's a fun match, and uh, you know nobody fell off the top of a metal cage onto a box of you know, onto a bunch of boxes in uh, padding. So that was that was nice. Yeah, and then shadow their elbow. So uh, I mean, the crowd was chanting Sammy. Uh, the, he was the center point of the inner circle. They lifted him up. He got the pin. Clearly, Jericho likes him. Clearly, the inner circle guys are, are content with trying to make Sammy a breakout star. And. I think he fits in that mold where you look at who the stars that AEW wanted to build from day one, MJF, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, and all four of those guys, not so much MJF, but he has been basically since day one in general, were really focused upon during the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. So it was nice and refreshing to see for AEW, despite having guys like Kenny and the Young Bucks uh, being title holders right now and Miro, an established star, it was nice to see some of the fresh faces of AEW who could be carrying the banner for the company in about the next year, two years, even uh, moving forward. So AEW double or nothing prediction records. I went eight and two. Doctor Trey went seven and three. Uh, our 2021 pay per view predictions records. I am 40, 54 and twenty one. Doctor Trey fifty two and twenty three. Uh, match of the night event rating. My match of the night. Doctor Trey was the Young Bucks and John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, and I gave double or nothing a four point zero out of five. What say you, Dr. Trey? What was your match of the night, and what was your uh, event rating for yeah, Double went, or Nothing? I went with the Bucks against Moxley and Kingston as well. Uh, just the chemistry of those four guys was fantastic. Um, and I was at a 3.9. I, uh, the, the go-go thing definitely felt like a kick in the gut. And then, you know, coming off the heels of the Omega, Pac, Cassidy match, and the crowd's red hot, to then close it out with the Stadium Stampede, I was like, that's... I would have flipped it or something and put that state stampede match in a different spot. I mean, really, you could have Darby and, and Sting against, you know, uh, Sky and Paige leading into the Omega match. That crowd would have been red hot by the end of the Omega match. So uh, just maybe some bad placement on the card, maybe lower the score for me, I guess. Yeah, it was uh, it was an overall decent show there. I mean, those first four or five matches, man, they were, they were red hot. Um it was a really fun show. And the crowd, Dr. Trey, what did you think about having the crowd back in a, in a professional wrestling arena? I mean, that was – it felt nice. It felt normal, which is something we haven't really had an opportunity to say for the last 15 months. Yeah, it was great. Like, I mean, it, you, you kind of 
watching on TV, you forget the energy that comes through when you have a really hot crowd. And we saw it a little bit at WrestleMania. But, you know, this is this event kind of kept it where you're like, yeah, it, it's really great having the crowd back. And it also tells you, tells the, like, this one thing we talked about during the pandemic era, it tells the people in charge who the crowd is actually really behind. You know, you're seeing with Sammy Guevara, you're seeing with Darby Allen, you're seeing with Hangman Page. Like, you're seeing the natural uh, progression of everything you built over those last 14 months, the, how the crowd is actually responding to it live. So I thought that was another great aspect of it. I mean, they, they got, they were, they, I mean, they were cheering for Christian Cage, but when Jungle Boy won, they still pop for Jungle Boy. So it does kind of show you, like, where their allegiances lie and who they're behind right now. So going into this show, I thought that the second biggest story we're going to be talking about, which we will still talk about, uh, was WWE reportedly having talks with New Japan Pro Wrestling for a partnership. And then uh, the releases, surprising releases, happened yesterday from World Wrestling Entertainment. WWE released uh, Aleister Black, Lana, Ruby Riot, Buddy Murphy, Santana Garrett, and a year ago, the man who was the Universal Champion, Braun Strowman. Um, what the fuck, Dr. Trey? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, a couple of them I thought weren't like Santana Garrett and Buddy Murphy. If you had told me they got released, I, w- I wasn't surprised. Well, Santana Garrett, yeah, no offense yeah. to her, but Buddy Murphy, <laughs> I, I was I've been a big fan of. Yeah, but I mean, really, they haven't used him since the the Mysterio angle. Uh, agreed, totally agree. You know, so if you had told me that, I would have been like, oh, that makes sense. If you had told me Alistair Black got released two months ago, I'd be like, all right, I get Zelina's gone. He's not doing anything right now. Okay, it makes sense. But when you take a guy who you just spent six weeks building up vignettes for to make a debut or a return, cost a guy a title, and then release him two weeks later, zero cents. Um, and then releasing Braun, like Braun, like, I don't know how you feel about it. I I like Braun, but Braun is hurt a lot. Braun does have a lot of issues, but once again, you just had him in a main event like a week and a half, two weeks ago. A world title. Yeah. The world title. This is the guy that, you know, beat Goldberg at WrestleMania last year and you're releasing him. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense. And the Ruby Riot thing to me is is dumb as hell because there's a, there are very few women in this world that are better wrestlers than Ruby Riot. So if you're trying to build your wins division and you're going to get rid of one of your best in-ring wrestlers that that doesn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, it, it's to me they've never like they've never liked Ruby. Like no no at no point in her entire run did I really go, "Man, you know what? The uh, the main roster is really behind Ruby." It just felt like every time she got started to get ahead, they would do something and, and push her back because she doesn't have that quintessential pretty face that everybody else on the roster pretty much has outside of Shayna Baszler. Um, she's got a unique look, and I just never think they bought into it. And when you look at the Riot squad as a whole, and Sarah Logan, fantastic wrestler, Ruby Riot, fantastic wrestler, Liv Morgan, really pretty, and the two fantastic wrestlers are gone, kind of shows you where their priorities are uh, if you're not one of the elite women wrestlers in WWE. Obviously, with uh, these releases, many people were under the impression that WWE may be preparing itself to be sold. Lots of changes at the corporate level, lots of changes at the developmental level, lots of changes at the roster level. I think as Vince McMahon, as, as, as long as he's alive, Dr. Trey, I don't think it's being sold. Uh, I, I know that there's a lot of good reason to believe that after WWE has cut a lot of corners. But I just don't foresee this company being sold anytime soon. Yeah, and then you see the people like the companies. That, <clears throat> excuse me. I saw people talking about like ESPN, Disney, you know, buying them, and and I, mean, I even saw one story where there's a Saudi prince that keeps offering billions of dollars to Vince to buy it. You know, right now they have so many contract deals going on with like Fox and with NBC Universal. If they were going to sell, it'd be one of, to one of those two places. To me, this was more about you know like trying to trim i don't say trim the fat because three of them were you know featured on tv recently um it just it just boggles my mind it's like why did you invest this time and energy into building up you know some of these people to just pull the rug out of them shortly after building them up um you know i, I don't i i it, this this set of releases kind of boggles my mind like 
a lot of the corporate releases, things like that, I, 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 I could make sense and justify, but it, it, to me, it's like if you're trying to streamline it to sell to their company, why sell off the guy? Like, why are you getting rid of the guy who was just in your main event last year at WrestleMania? Like, that doesn't make sense. He's a bankable character. You know, the other people, it's like those are fans, you know, those are all fantastic in ring workers. There's a lot of people on this roster that are just kind of lingering around the peripheral and haven't done anything in years and still have not been released. So it, it, it is kind of puzzling. And I'm sure we'll get more details later on as to why these five were released. Um, but right now, it, just, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Bizarre. Um, I've been a big Braun Strowman fan. I, I, I believe in him. I think he's like your stereotypical cookie cutter WWE guy. And having him uh, be released a year after he was Universal Champion, along with Drew McIntyre, somebody that was supposed to really carry the company during the pandemic, is just bizarre. Like he was Team WWE. Any interview that you saw, uh, I think he said he didn't want to work for any other wrestling company ever uh, outside of WWE. Like he was Team Team WWE. Alistair Black just they completely dropped the ball with him. He was phenomenal in NXT. His NXT run is is probably one of the best. Of, of of all NXT stars. Now you've got Aleister Black and Andrade uh, out um, out of WWE. Uh, just boggles my mind thinking about that. Lana, um, her husband's in AEW. Always figured that she would end up there maybe when her contract ran out. Maybe WWE felt the same way. But from a wrestling standpoint, she had gotten so much better in the ring. Incredibly improved. Like you could tell. Like even as this past Monday, you could tell that she's trying really hard. Ruby Riot should have been pushed a lot harder, great, phenomenal wrestling talent. Buddy Murphy could have been a great mid-card guy and uh, didn't get an opportunity. He had opportunities, and then they were taken away from him for whatever reason. And Santana Garrett, I guess there's reports out that she was supposed to debut on SmackDown sometime soon, and that didn't happen. Um, she really didn't get a lot of opportunities or looks in WWE, but it's just so weird. I, it just it boggles my mind. I think when these types of releases happen, Dr. Trey, and I say, I've said this many times on the show, I just don't feel like watching wrestling or being a fan of WWE. Like I just, I just think it's really wrong what the company does. Like this is not; these aren't releases where you're like, oh, okay, oh, I understand all six. Like these, there's maybe a couple, right? We've pointed that out, but I mean, goddamn, man, WWE can't get their shit together. I feel like, yeah, and and you know, this has always been the podcast that we've been accused of being like you know defending WWE or being pro WWE and like situations like this, and then you like you know like. I've not always been the biggest women's division fan, but over the last couple of years, there are people that I watch and I'm like, man, I just really love when these girls come out. And Ruby was one of them. Lana had become one of them. Like that, the, the run she had with against Rusev and Bobby Lashley, where she was just playing like the, the total, you know, bitch basically. Like I really enjoyed that. And then, you know, seeing how far she had progressed as an in-ring worker, like one of the knocks that a lot of the, the valet slash, women wrestlers the ones who kind of are just really pretty but don't know wrestling like seeing how far she come or how far she had come i was like man that's really great then you go back to when they were releasing of the iconics i'm like those are four women the iconics lana and ruby i actually enjoyed seeing them on tv every week and now we're back to the same old same old women in the division so it's kind of a letdown and, and the same thing with you know alistair black buddy murphy the, those two guys alone when they were having those matches like, those are fantastic mm-hmm. matches. And, and, you know, Buddy Murphy's a guy that they put in the ring with, with, you know, Roman Reigns. They put him in the ring with Daniel Bryan. They had a great feud with Seth Rollins. You know, like, this is a guy that they put a lot of, they invested a lot in, and they just went, oh, we got nothing. Like, it does, some of the stuff just boggles my mind. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, Buddy never got a clear-cut character for fans to really get behind. And I think that was one of the things that, that bogged him down. And Aleister Black was a guy that the fans were behind, and then even Term Heel, they're still into it, and then all of a sudden just goes away, rebrand them, and then get rid of it. Like, a lot of it just it makes no sense right now. Switching gears, WWE reportedly is having talks with New Japan Pro Wrestling. This story comes to us from Wrestling Inc. WWE New Japan Pro Wrestling mm-hmm. reportedly having talks about a possible working relationship. WWE President Chief Revenue Officer Nick Khan has been in talks with NJPW officials about WWE possibly becoming the official American partner for the Japanese organization, according to the Wrestler Reserve Newsletter. New Japan is currently working with AEW Impact Wrestling, has had a working relationship with ROH and CMLL as well. The talks reportedly date back to late March or early April, and there would have been several factors at play regarding a potential deal. 
but no indication that the talks have advanced. The deal would include WWE sending wrestlers, including top stars, to work in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Dr. Trey, that's a pretty big deal. If New Japan and WWE work together, you would potentially get some dream matchups. Guys work in Wrestle Kingdom, maybe some guys work in WrestleMania. If that were to happen, that would be pretty cool. But it seems like to me there's a very small chance that that happens based off of the way that New Japan is doing business right now in America with Impact Wrestling and AEW, which fit more in line with New Japan's uh, image here in the U.S. than a WWE would. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of like, hey, I, we see the other companies are kind of working together. Who can maybe we share with? And, you know, maybe the other thing was there was rumors a couple of years ago about, you know, after NXT UK launched that they were talking about doing either NXT Mexico or NXT Japan. And maybe after, you know, NXT UK, I think you and I can both agree, has struggled uh, finding an audience that maybe they went, hey, instead of starting up NXT Japan, if we just find a partner here that we can help build up and use almost as our training ground as well, maybe that's a better course of action. That's that's why to me, I just feel like this is all kind of exploratory and let's kind of see where things go. Uh, and then it got leaked out to the press. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty interesting story, which uh, led me to wonder if somebody was part of this discussion because we heard a recently potentially former WWE superstar right now that wanted to wrestle New Japan. And uh, Daniel Bryan's name did come up, according to PW Insider Wrestling Inc. In an update, PW, PW Insider adds that the main crux of the talks had to do with the potential of Daniel Bryan being able to work some dates for New Japan. The report also stated that talks have been going on for several months and were confirmed by sources in both companies. So, where there's smoke, there's fire, Dr. Trey. I know AW Tony Khan was uh, out there to dismiss it pretty quickly, but... It would be really interesting if New Japan and WWE did have some sort of partnership together and Daniel Bryan yeah. being the crux of it. Oh, yeah, that'd be really – I mean, we could, we could get some you know, pretty big dream matches out of this that we thought we would never get to see. I mean, you know, getting to see Kota Ibushi you know, come back into WWE after you know, his, his initial run in the Cruiserweight Classic and you know, seeing uh, the Gorillas of Destiny face off with the Usos. Like, I would be all over that match. You know, there, there's some potential, like, great matchups. And I think this is kind of like, you know, like I said, WWE looking around at the, at the changing landscape of wrestling and seeing companies work together and, and kind of getting a little bit of buzz about crossovers. This this is an avenue they could explore. And, and having a guy like Daniel Bryan, who's so universally respected throughout the wrestling community, being that bridge to do it makes a lot of sense. I just, I don't know if Vince would ever get past his pride because we've seen him try to work with you know companies in the past and his company always comes out looking dominant uh when he puts the matches together so that would be my my one takeaway was i don't know if vince would ever sign off on hey let's send daniel bryan to new japan and have him lose to kazushka okada i don't know if vince would ever okay something like that dr Trey, does today's wrestling atmosphere force wwe's hand to look uh, respectable in the fans' eyes to have these types of relationships. And and you've heard this recently, AW Impact Wrestling, they have their relationship, they have the relationship with New Japan. You've There's been some rumblings out there that WWE's had discussions with MLW here in the U.S. They obviously have uh, partnerships with Progress Wrestling and ICW in the U.K. Does, does this cur- current atmosphere force WWE's hand to be a little bit more open to having folks who aren't necessarily WWE uh, companies partnering with the WWE like a New Japan would? I, I think when they look at it, they know that there are certain markets that remain untapped for them. And although they, you know, they do make the occasional trip over to Japan for live shows and, and, and stuff like that, it, that, Asian, that, you know, that Asian rim still is untapped by WWE in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, you go back to that push they had in India a few years ago, the push in the Middle East. You know, the Pacific Rim is an area that they really haven't gotten into. And when they're seeing, you know, Impact and AEW and other places have this working relationship with New Japan, it does make a lot of sense for them to explore, especially if that's an area that they're really trying to push their product. Um, and if, if with the pandemic, the money hasn't really been there for them to start in NXT, you know, Japan or NXT Asia, or however they want to phrase it, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense to kind of explore getting in bed with a company that's already up and running and has viable success to, to kind of bank off of. 
I've been saying this for uh, a while now. I think AEW's impact here in the first nearly two years of existence is that it has changed the wrestling landscape, and that's what they're they're looking to do. We're looking to do, and they've they've kind of directed the way that the environment of professional wrestling is right now. WWE is not in control of it, even though they're the bigger boys, and uh, they're they're kind of following AEW's lead because this is what the fans are digging right now. So. I don't know. I don't know if the wave of popularity will continue to swing over to AEW. WWE is certainly hurting right now with releases and the way that their programming is. I watched Raw this past week. I, I thought it was just an awful three-hour show. Um, it's interesting times. It certainly is. And, and we'll have to see as, as they let fans back into the arena how WWE can respond right now heading into a very important time. And part of that important time involves the build starting now towards SummerSlam, which has been announced for Saturday, August 21st. You know, right? you, you heard that right there, folks. For the very first time, SummerSlam will be held on a Saturday. Uh, parentheses here, folks. More Saturday pay-per-views, please. Because it helps the old guys like Dr. Trey and I sleep better on a Monday. Um, Dr. Trey, SummerSlam, Saturday, August 21st. I'm pretty pumped for that. Give me more Saturdays. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot going on. You're not competing with the NFL because... That's, uh, you know, you're competing a little bit with college football, maybe. I think that's about when uh, week zero or week one starts in college football. Uh, you're not competing with church crowds or anything like that. And you're not, like like you just said, you're not competing with us fans, like, having to decide, hey, man, it's like 930. I got to go to bed because I got to be at work in the morning. You know, it makes sense. Like, some of these shows on Saturdays. And we've seen AEW go from Saturdays to Sundays. It's kind of just seeing how this whole thing changes up i mean we've seen wwe make adjustments you know with wrestlemania doing two nights in the last couple of years so it, it's them trying to find maybe a new audience maybe a, a spot where they can kind of you know take over again um because obviously we've all heard the ratings are not great uh you know we don't know about how shows you got to find an audience and, and increase that audience somehow and maybe moving the SummerSlam to saturday and kind of building around it is, is, is one avenue that they can explore. So we're talking that WWE need to do something big. You got SummerSlam, crowds coming back. That match, the headlining match at SummerSlam that WWE is currently reportedly thinking about that could get some buzz talking would be Roman Reigns versus John Cena. According to reports via Wrestling Inc., there are rumors on John Cena versus WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns being the main event of SummerSlam this year and rumors of a guest host to make the show stadium-worthy. That rumor is Dr. Trey's favorite, Cardi B. As noted, WWE officials have discussed a return for Cena on the July 16th SmackDown show from Houston, which is the first show on WWE's summer tour. The Wrestling Observer newsletter adds that people in WWE have talked about Cena versus Reigns as the top SummerSlam match, but no one was able to confirm it. Dr. Trey, Cena, Reigns, we've seen this before. I believe Clash of Champions in the Staples Center in Los Angeles, maybe 2016. Good match. It was a really good match. Torch passing match. And then Cena kind of became a part-timer after that. Cena reigns. SummerSlam 2021. Does that put butts in seats? Uh, Yeah, because we have a Roman that you know the casual fan hates. They all still love John Cena. And if you go back to that rivalry 2016, that was really, to me, really when Roman started getting better at promos. Like, Cena pushed him. And a lot of Roman we see now is a lot of when Cena was feuding with him. Like they, like there were times in that rivalry where we were like, "Whoa, he's saying some pretty borderline shoot kind of stuff here." Like he's saying stuff about Roman that all the fans have been thinking, and, and we see that now with Roman. Like he's much more maniacal and devious in his promos, and it, it's been fantastic. And you know, getting a Cena Reigns feud with both these guys on top of their game promo wise. I think would build a lot of interest. So, yeah, I'm actually kind of on board for this one. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've loved the Roman Reigns character. Uh, I kind of miss seeing Cena on television each week. I think this is this would put butts in seats, Dr. Trey. I think this is a main event level match, good way to get people back in, during the summertime. And I think people would want to see this the way that both stars have become over the last couple of years, especially the Roman Reigns heel turn. Yeah, and then you also still have Cena chasing the record of Ric Flair. That is so true. You get, you get Cena and Reigns and Flair's record on the line if they actually play into that. I mean, that's that's pretty compelling stuff. This is Cena cementing his legacy as the greatest against of all time. 
potentially against the guy who's the head of the table. I mean, the, the storylines are, are pretty compelling heading into it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the way they go. That's great. If not, uh, I guess we would still have Cardi B. Um, and maybe WWE releases John Cena before that, too. Who knows? <clears throat> well, maybe they release the rest of the, like, the Usos and Paul Heyman, and then there's just Roman heading out with a table by himself. Like, I, I have a table, uh, but that's, that's about it. I'm the head of the lonely table. Yes. <laughs> and that'll do it for this week's edition of the show. Uh, with that said, let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at thebowershow.com. WrestleChatNet on Twitter, and the Storyltho Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTUJeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Trey. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Trey Franklin. Check out Rocket Feet Championship Wrestling. Uh, we come back uh, this Saturday night, actually. Our first show back on four. Looking forward to back in front of the live crowd, big crowd, uh, as we build uh, the next year's storyline coming out of Wrestling Cause. I'm super excited for that, so be sure to check them out on Facebook and check out the uh, Wrestling Con 4 that we posted up on the uh, SRTU page as well. There you go, folks. Another week's edition of SRTU in the books. Thank you for making us part of your week. AW Double or Nothing recap. WWE making some shocking releases. New Japan Pro Wrestling and WWE potentially being partners. And SummerSlam 2021 hits a Saturday and could be headlined by John Cena and Roman Reigns. Interesting times in the world of professional wrestling indeed. Uh, Until next week when we get you ready for NXT TakeOver In Your House 2021. For Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Peck. This is The Story of the Show. Taking school spirit. The fun's just getting started. To the max. This is gonna be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy phase, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.